Hey everyone, welcome to this week's chapter recap. We are taking a look at 1 Chronicles chapter 10 to 2 Chronicles chapter 9. That was our assigned weekly reading in our discovery guide. If you don't have a discovery guide and you're just going along with the Bible Discovery TV program, that's okay too. But if you want a copy of it, there's links in the description box so you can get a hold of that. All right, my name is Corey. I'm here with my husband, Matla. Hey. And we're talking about Chronicles. Yeah. So we're starting in First Chronicles chapter 10 today, but just as a quick recap before the recap, um, First and Second Chronicles are essentially a retelling of the history of the kings of Israel that's already been told to us in First and Second Kings and even Second Samuel. Um, but it's from a completely different perspective and time period. So the book of Second Kings ended with the Babylonian invasion of Judah and Jerusalem and the exile of those Judeans into the Babylonian Empire. So this is 70 plus years later when those exiles of Judah are allowed to return to Jerusalem. So this is a retelling of their kingly history with a special focus on why things went bad, why they got exiled to Babylon in the first place so that they don't repeat that history. So we're going to see those themes really drawn out for us in the book of First Chronicles, which makes it really interesting because it's more of an evaluate, um, it evaluates the kings in a slightly different way or a slightly more thorough way, mm-hmm. I should say. Yeah. Okay, perspective. So First Chronicles chapter 10, here we go. So this is a record of how the first king of Israel, Saul, died in a battle with the Philistines. Uh, And right here, right away, uh, in chapter 10, verse 13, we see an evaluation of Saul. So let's read verse 13 together. It says, Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. So right away, we're seeing those evaluative themes coming out. Why did Saul die? Because he was unfaithful to God. Okay, First Chronicles chapter 11. So we see David becoming the second king of Israel. We see him capturing the city of Jerusalem to use as his capital city. And we learn here in Chronicles, this is what's really cool about Chronicles. It adds in more historical details that first and second Kings and second Samuel leave out mm-hmm. probably for the sake of time. So in this chapter, we learn that Joab Uh, who we know as the commander of David's army, that he actually secured his job, his role as commander of the military by capturing Jerusalem for David. Mm. So that solidified his role as commander of Israel's army. We also learned that um, as the capturer of Jerusalem, Joab was responsible for building up the city. So making sure the walls were good, making sure it had enough buildings, making sure it had houses and public functioning buildings, buildings while David focused on building the royal palace, which of course would have had both a private function for the royals to live in and a public function so court could be held and things of that nature. We're also told in this chapter uh, some of David's warriors and the things that they became famous for, so some of their exploits. Okay, First Chronicles chapter 12, we learn that the band of men that gathered around David 
when he was fleeing from King Saul. Remember that back in the books of Samuel. And then also we're going to read about it a little tiny bit when we get to the book of Psalms. David had to go on the run from Saul. A bunch of uh, men, military men and and men with uh, fighting capabilities gathered around David. And we learned that many of these men were Benjamites. Now, why this should be shocking to us is because King Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. Yeah. So we have people who should be by bloodline loyal to Saul who are actually loyal to David. And then we have more exploits of these warriors of David told about in chapter 12. Okay, First Chronicles chapter 13. This is all about how David brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Where there's a notation here that we didn't get before that the Israelites uh, in general, on large, the, the Israelites were not inquiring of the Ark of God during the reign of Saul. We know that Saul was, right? We, there's a couple instances where we see Saul and his priest interacting uh, or almost interacting uh, with the Ark of the Covenant, but apparently it wasn't being used in corporate worship at, during the reign of Saul. So David wants to bring the Ark from Jerusalem. And again, we have heard this story before, but at first they put the Ark of the Covenant on a cart and have a procession trying to bring it to Jerusalem. Now, this was not the way that it was supposed to be carried. It was supposed to be carried by Levites of a very specific order on their shoulders. So when the Ark of the Covenant almost falls off the cart because the cart tips, a man named Uzzah tries to steady the Ark because he doesn't want it to fall and break and he ends up dying. Poor guy. Uh, Yeah, because he touches it. Um, So this is improper worship ordered by King David. Um, David realizes his fault uh, right away, uh, but he is afraid of the Ark of the Covenant. He realizes that this is a serious thing, and um, he decides not to bring it to Jerusalem lest they bring curses upon themselves. So he puts it in the charge of a man named Obed-Edom and tells him to keep it in his house for three months. Mm. Can you imagine that like king david is afraid that if he brings it to jerusalem there's going to be curses so So you oh by the way someone just died too so don't (laughs) just don't touch it don't touch it it's probably going to be fine (laughs) it might curse your entire household yeah good luck (laughs) right good luck it didn't it didn't curse his household but it's just interesting to very funny okay uh first chronicles chapter 14 so do you do you see all these stories that that Chronicles is choosing to focus on. It's all about stories where people are intentionally and unintentionally being unfaithful to God and how that always ends up going badly for them. So far, these are the themes that Chronicles are bringing out for us. Okay, 1 Chronicles chapter 14. This is all about David. So we learn about his alliance with Hiram, king of Tyre, to send materials Um, and skilled workers to Jerusalem to help David build his palace. This is going to continue with Solomon when he builds the temple. Um, We learn about David having more wives and children by these wives in Jerusalem. Again, not great. He's disobeying Deuteronomy Mm -hmm. chapter 17. Um, There's a record of David defeating the Philistines. Uh, The Philistines were a people group who began... uh, interacting with the Israelites during the time period of the judges. They 
were a problem during Saul and they were a problem during David. Uh, there is a note here, however, that when David goes into the into battle with the Philistines, he inquires of God. And uh, when he defeats the Philistines and um, and goes to raid their military camp, he finds idols of their gods in the battlefield and he destroys them. Mm. So this is a good thing that David does that other kings don't do right. later on. Chapter 15. This is the record about how David continued to build up Jerusalem and makes a place for the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, he pitches a tent for the Ark of the Covenant and they bring the Ark to Jerusalem, but this time they do it the right way, the way that the Bible prescribes, the law of Moses prescribes. Um, and he established, David establishes Levitical priests to take care of the Ark of the Covenant and also to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And this is a really big to do. There's David gets musicians and gatekeepers and singers and all these different instruments are listed here uh, that that are supposed to play music for the ark. And then he assigns certain Levites as doorkeepers for the tent of the ark. And, you know, there's trumpet players and and even Obed-Edom, who had been responsible for the Ark of the Covenant, he is incorporated into this victorious procession right. of the Ark of the Covenant into um into Jerusalem. Yeah. And so then we get, of course, at the end of chapter 15, we get this rather now infamous marital spat between David and his first wife, Saul's daughter, Michal. And we were told that David, we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to hash it all out again, uh, but David was dressed in a linen robe, just like all of the other priests and Levites going before the uh, Ark of the Covenant, and he had taken off his royal uh, garments and instead put on the garment of um, the Levites, a very simple gar garment. And uh, uh, maybe David was even participating musically. Right. Because of this. We don't know. But I mean, it's interesting. He was yeah. a musician and there's music going on. I see no reason why not. Yeah. I mean, really interesting. Um, and we see this spat between McCall and David where she's disgusted because David has taken off his royal yes. uh, clothes and put on this very simple role of the garment of the priest right. or the Levite, I should say, actually. Um, this makes sense why she would be so bitter because she's just been taken from her husband uh, to come back into David's house only because of her bloodline, only right. because of her lineage, right? So really interesting human issues going on between David and Michal. Okay, First Chronicles chapter 16. Now the victorious procession of the Ark of the Covenant turns into a celebration in front of the Ark of the Covenant's tent. There are animal sacrifices and more music. And David gives food to everyone who's in attendance as the king. This is his job. Um, so we're told specifically that he get, he sends them away with raisin cakes, a uh, raisin date cake, actually, and loaves of bread uh, to celebrate. So this is a really happy time time. We're also told that every day music and sacrifices would be given before the tent that held the Ark of the Covenant. Mm. And there's even an example of a song that's given in this chapter, chapter right. 16. Okay, chapter 17, still in the reign of David. We have David sitting in his gorgeous 
state-of-the-art for his time palace. (laughs) And he feels bad that the Ark of the Covenant is just in a tent. It's not enough otherwise, the symbol of the presence of God. He wants to build a temple for God. And this ushers in what we call today the Davidic Covenant. So God um, speaks to David Essentially, you want to build me a house for the Ark of the Covenant, but actually I'm going to build you a house. And by house, he means dynasty. So in a, a lasting family name, the house of David, which we learn from archaeology, is what the kings of Judah were known as. They were known as the kings of the house of David. So God's going to build a lasting dynasty for David, and he's not going to take away the kingship from David's ancestors. He's not going to remove his love from David's ancestors. Um, Now, this, of course, eventually will lead us to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. And this is why it's important that Christ was of the Davidic line. More on that when we get to the New Testament. (laughs) Okay, First Chronicles chapter 18, this is all about how God establishes David's throne. So we've got David's military victories over multiple enemies like the Moabites, the king of Zobah, and the Philistines, of course, the Arameans, um, and, and how David, throughout these battles, when he was collecting wealth from the wars that he was fighting, because uh, wars are really expensive, but they can also be profitable because you get to take, you know, when you defeat an enemy, you get to take whatever he was carrying. Um, He's storing up these valuables uh, to be used for materials in building the temple. Um, Some of David's top officials are named, which include some of his relatives and nephews, which is interesting. Chapter 19. Okay, this is where we see David having to deal with an enemy humiliating him. So David thinks that he has a really good alliance with the king of the Ammonites. The king of the Ammonites does not. He thinks that David is planning treachery. So this delegation that David sends to the king of Ammon, um, they get humiliated. So um, they get their clothing cut off and their beards shaved and sent home. And this launches a war against Ammon. And the really the military prowess and exploits of Joab are talked about in in chapter 19. Mm. Chapter 20, Joab takes the army of Israel to war against Ammon and he captures the city of Rabbah. Um, This incident is when David stays back at Jerusalem and his affair with Bathsheba happens. And during this battle um, is when David orders the murder of Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. So pretty brutal. Also in this chapter, we've got various wars and battles uh, that Israel fought with the Philistines. They're all detailed in chapter 20. Chapter 21, this is all about the unlawful census. So the counting of the military men that David ordered that resulted in a plague breaking out in Israel. And it ends, like there's, there's stuff going on and conversations between God and David, but it ends with David building an altar to God Um, on a threshing floor, which would have been high up in Jerusalem. Uh, We're also told in chapter 12, a very important piece of information that relates back to the book of Kings and even to the time period of the judges. We're told that the tabernacle, the tent tabernacle that Moses built back in Exodus and the sacrificial altar 
that went along with that temp- mm-hmm. tent tabernacle were actually set up in Gibeon, the city of Gibeon at that time. Um, but David was really afraid that if he went there, that God would kill him, that he would literally drop dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so he only offered sacrifices in Jerusalem. So David re- was very aware that he was not a perfect king. Yes. That he wasn't great, that he had some major, major sins, and he was afraid of the holiness of God. So that is an interesting element of David's character. Yeah. And remember, he saw how badly it went with Saul. Yeah. So he knows how badly it could turn for him. Um, chapter 22, David announces that the temple would be built in Jerusalem, and he continues gathering not only materials, but also setting up workers because he knows when he dies, he's going to charge his son Solomon with building the temple. In chapter 23, um, David actually launches a reorganization of the tribe of Levi, um, which is just a plan on how they're going to work in the temple when the temple is accomplished, which is very cool. In chapter 24, we're um, given lists of the division of the priests, these descendants of Aaron. Again, I'm just going to say, if you guys can hear the construction outside, I apologize. It's quite loud (laughs) in here. We can hear it. Yes. But there is construction going on. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, It's that time of year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Chapter 25, 1 Chronicles chapter 25, moving right along. Um. David and his military commanders set apart some of the sons of Asaph. We're told that these sons of Asaph prophesied under David's supervision, which is a very interesting thing. Because remember, so David started out as a musician uh, with prophetic gifting. So what I mean by that is he, he would play music and the tormenting spirit that was bothering Saul would be silenced. It would be calmed down. So he started out as a musician with spiritual power of sorts, mm-hmm. right? And now he's overseeing these sons of Asaph who are prophesying to music, which is really interesting. Okay. Uh, we're told about Heman, the king's seer, which means prophet, and Jedithan, who prophesied with the harp, praising and thanking God. So the sons of these men specifically were marked for, they were set aside for service, for ministering in the tabernacle. Um, okay. Right. Chapter 26, we're told about, this is still David organizing for the temple. So yeah. we're told about the divisions or the numbers of all of the people, uh, all of the Levites for gatekeepers of the temple. So we're told that there's going to be four gates and one storehouse of the temple, um, treasurers and judges and officials and, and all of these things. In chapter 27, we're giving the military divisions of Israel, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, and all of David's officials. So in order to run a centralized government, there was a lot of stuff that needed to be taken care of, like the king's farmland and all of groves and vineyards. and His cattle, his sheep. And yeah. yeah. All of that stuff. Yeah. All of the everyday <laughs> life things we're told about. Two more, uh, two more chapters here in First Chronicles. Uh, chapter 28. David holds an assembly to officially transfer the kingdom from his kingship 
to Solomon's kingship and he talks about the temple. And then in this final chapter of 1 Chronicles chapter 29, David gave Solomon all of the building materials um, and, and, and charges. It's this continuing charge. This is what you're going to do once mm-hmm. I'm gone. Um, there's a record of David's death here in chapter 29. Um, and there's no mention about all of the drama that we know from Kings happened when David died. There was right. a lot of drama. Uh, his son, Adonijah, um, had tried to take claim himself as king and right it didn't end well but right. for for adonijah so question here because we're at the end of first chronicles we are so much of this has to do with elements of the temple whether or not it's, it's the people yeah. inside the temple it's the ark or whatever it is um how much then does this chronicles have to do with we're going to build another temple i think what do you think oh, yeah. you think it is pointed oh, towards that 100 definitely definitely yeah. because they're you know that was their first task the exiled Judeans and Israelites' first task yeah. when they came back to Jerusalem was to reestablish this. So um, the establishing of the first temple was really important to them because they knew it wasn't going to be the same scale. Yeah. It wasn't going to be as beautiful or as grand or as big or as costly. Right. But they were trying, clearly trying to stay true to the original worship of God. Yeah. And we definitely see that with the... Um, with the with the the themes that they emphasize in First Chronicles, and yes. then also the fact that they talk about the temple so much. Yeah, yeah for sure, because it seems like the, they're contrasting unfaithfulness with uh, you know building the temple and God's faithfulness and, and David and you know the house, and they're going to reestablish this. So we want to be as true and faithful to the original Davidic covenant yes. as possible. God is so, faithful, therefore right. we need to be faithful. That's right. Yeah, so it's interesting because yeah. Chronicles are just highlighting that for, for them it at is. the time. Yeah. It is. And so now as we move into Second Chronicles, they're going to continue to go through this time period of the kings. And again, they're going to be focusing on what went wrong. Right. And how do we not let it go wrong mm-hmm. again? Right. Which is really interesting to see from trying to see it from their perspective. Yes, for sure. Okay, Second uh-huh. Chronicles chapter 1, we're going to go to chapter 9 today. So... Solomon has just become king. He goes to Gibeon to sacrifice. Uh, he's not afraid to die at Gibeon like David was. So he he goes to sacrifice, and he's given a dream or a vision of God. Um, in, so in this dream or vision, Solomon asks God for wisdom and knowledge so that he can govern Israel well. And God blesses Solomon, promises him, wisdom and knowledge but also wealth possession and honor which probably to the mind of all the israelites they're like it looks like a test that looks like a test to us yeah right because of the rules for kings in deuteronomy 17 and how they knew it ended yeah right which is again not well not well Second Chronicles chapter two, this is all about Solomon preparing to build the temple in his own palace. He uh, gathers all of those workers from Israel and the materials, uh, but also workers and materials from his father's old ally. Now his ally, Hiram, the king of Tyre. In chapter three, Solomon begins to build the temple in the fourth year of his reign. So it takes him four years um, and he begins to build that temple 
where David had built that altar to God on the threshing floor, where David would alter, Mm -hmm. would, would sacrifice, the altar on which David would sacrifice to God. And there's details of the building of the temple given to us in chapter three. In chapter four, we're given all of the details about the furniture and the articles that were found inside the temple and that um, that Solomon made because we're told that he wasn't just happy with, he didn't want to just recreate the tent tabernacle and the, the altar and, and all of that furniture that was in the tent tabernacle. He wanted it to be more, 10 times more, <laughs> <laughs> which seems like a very Solomon thing. Seems like it was part of his personality. More, 10 times more. In chapter five, we get um, the temple being finished and Solomon bringing in all of those dedicated things, the treasures and things that David had collected, putting them in the treasuries of the temple, bringing in the Ark of the Covenant, bringing in, interestingly, that tent of meeting from Gibeon. So all rolled up and storing it and all the sacred furnishings from the tent tabernacle. So Um, Solomon is trying to centralize the worship here. No longer can you just like go to Gibeon or go to the altar high place in Jerusalem or go to this high place. He's trying to centralize Mm. that, which is a very smart political social thing to Mm. do when you're trying to organize a nation. Yeah, that's right. The Levites, when they start to sing praises to God, this, this cloud of the Lord's presence fills the temple as a sign that he is there. To them, it would have hearkened back to um, the cloud of God that filled the tent tabernacle. Also, too, that hearkens, well, in the future, the Pentecost hearkens back to this event, mm-hmm. right? And that's when, the, so anyways, we can talk about it another time. But yeah, it's really interesting when the, the fire descends on the people of Pentecost, mm-hmm. right? It, it relates to this whole idea of the temple because now the people of God are the temple anyways. Yeah, and but the yeah. presence of God is there that's within right. them rather than within that's the, right. tab- yeah. the, the temple or the tabernacle. That's right. For sure. Chapter 6, Solomon prays a prayer of dedication over the temple and he blesses the people who are there in the assembly. Uh, and he asks God essentially to fulfill his promise and to be there with the people forever in the temple. Like have your presence stay with us uh, here in the temple. So that's chapter six. In chapter seven, there's a sign from God to confirm this. So not just the cloud, but also fire comes down from heaven and completely consumes the burnt offering and the sacrifices that they have on the altar. Um, and the, the cloud is still filling the temple so much that the priests can't even enter because they can't see what they're doing. So they don't want to bump mm-hmm. into things. So they, right. they can't even get in there. There's a seven day festival that occurs at this dedication, uh, with music and sacrifices and feasting and all of that. Um, God appears to Solomon, uh, during this, and he responds to Solomon's prayer. You know, Solomon asks, you know, God, please be present here. Please hear the prayers of your people for forever. Um, and God says, yes, I will be attentive to the cries of my people. Now, if you walk faithfully, Solomon, so he does this again, if you walk faithfully, I will establish your throne. But if you turn away from me, if you forsake the decrees and commands and serve other gods and worship them, Israel will be uprooted and the temple rejected and destroyed. So very clear path of order for Solomon. Mm -hmm. Follow me and your royal throne will be established. 
don't, and it's not going to happen. If you serve other gods and worship them, Israel will be uprooted and the temple rejected and destroyed. Chapter 8, we're given a record of how Solomon builds up the cities in ancient Israel. He builds up walls. He builds gates. Uh, he brings non-Israelite people who live in Israel as slave laborers, so conscripted labor. You know, we've learned also, you know, back in Second Kings that he taxed labor from his own people, from, from full Israelites. We're told that Solomon marries a daughter of Pharaoh. So this would have been a political partnership and allyship. And he builds a separate palace for her to live in. So this is a really important allyship. Mm -hmm. um, and we're told that Solomon's merchant ships went to Ophir to get gold. So the gold of Ophir is like, it's a legendary thing now because no one has been able to identify with certainty where Ophir is, but it must right. have been quite quite profitable in its gold mines at least for a time right and in second chronicles chapter 9 we have the queen of sheba visiting jerusalem traveling to jerusalem to test solomon with hard questions and um, she negotiates a massive trade deal between israel and sheba we get solomon's wealth described here in chapter 9 uh, and it's very astounding. We get records of the throne that he sat on and all of the decorative shields made of gold that yeah. he made. Um, and then we get a record of his death. So this is really just a setting up how grand Israel was because it's not going to last. Right. Like pretty much right away. Due to unfaithfulness. Yeah. Due to the unfaithfulness of Solomon and then likewise of his son. Yes, that's people. right. Well, I wasn't much help today. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot. There's a lot of narrative to go through. There's a lot of I know, and we were like 30 minutes in, and I was right. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where it's important just to hear the narrative. I've kind of been chiming in. I know through Kings and Second, but this mm -hmm. time it's just good to kind of rehear it all, just to kind of get a good summary of it. It is a good summary of stuff. That that is something that's really helpful of going through Kings and Chronicles in order. Mm. is that you get the history and then you get to go through it again and it's yeah. a nice summary. It's and it's nice a focused detail. one on specific details moving yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have as many details as kings. But at the same, because it focuses mostly on the kings of Judah and Jerusalem, mm. but at the same time, it, it offers a different perspective and some additional information that we don't get in kings either. Yeah, it's probably um, got it from the annals yes. of the kings, probably. Anyways, we don't know for sure, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for today. If you have any questions or comments about the reading, please put them in the comments below. Malik and I love uh, reading them throughout the week and responding to them. Hope you're having a good one. Hope you're enjoying Chronicles. Let me know. Let me know if you prefer Kings or Chronicles and why you prefer either or. All right, guys, have a good week. See you next time. Thank you so much for watching. We want to keep producing high quality biblical content but we can't do it without your support. If you feel called to support us, please click the link in the description under donate. Your support really means a lot to us.